Welcome to the My Town Travels podcast, the only podcast dedicated to small town culture and values and the overall travel lifestyle from a small town perspective, bringing you stories, destinations, and tips from interesting and well-seasoned travelers, influencers, and more, and me, your host, Christy Burns. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with me today on the My Town Travels podcast. Today, I am here with David Annecy, who owns this beautiful shop, Gay Fed Studios, with his husband, Jason. And tell me a little bit about you and how you got this idea to start Gay Fad, well, reopen, reopen it really, and what was the passion behind doing it? Oh my goodness. Yes, if you would have asked us five years ago if this was our plan, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Jason and I actually um, moved to Lancaster about six years ago when we bought our house here, and soon after we had started a company called the Art and Craftsman Company, and um, my husband Jason's the artist, and we just thought it would be nice to do something that would help us get involved in the community and do something positive. And this was here in Lancaster? Yep. Okay. And one of our first projects we did was a large mural for the new Kroger that was built on Memorial Avenue. And um, we won a competition to... So every new Kroger that's built, they commission a local artist to do a painting for them. So Jason's design was selected, and we ended up building this massive 5 by 18 foot stretched canvas frame and painted it and had it installed in the shop. And that was kind of like our introduction to like, we met the mayor, we met a whole bunch of other business owners. And from that, we met um, Wendy Gregory from AHA Children's Museum at that time. And she contacted us next and said, will you come design and do some work for us? Uh, So we did that. And it just kind of built on, we ended up doing a veterans mural with another uh, company, Remo Remo Design, worked with local businesses, homeowners. Um, So that was really kind of how doing this kind of work got us involved into the community. And um, that's what led to us doing a mural next door on Center Alley. Um, we were finishing up the Veterans Mural up on East Main Street. <clears throat> and the then president of the Lancaster Rotary, uh, Krista Moody, came up and asked Jason if he would help um, come up with some concepts for the murals. And so one of the concepts that he pitched was the story of Fran Taylor and Gay Fed Studios. And everybody fell in love with it. Um, most people either forgot that that company existed here or they had never even heard of it. And we're just so excited of how it really ties to Lancaster being the last town, mm-hmm. right? And so I think many people really just had an emotional reaction to that. So we spent four months last summer doing the whole mural project. <clears throat> we got to meet so many people that came through and asked questions about what we were doing and we got to tell Fran's story and just the excitement was there. I mean, it was really, really palpable. And, um, through that process, we got to meet Fran's daughter, Stephanie Taylor. Okay. And, uh, she had come down at one point with her family and saw the mural and met with Jason. And, um, it was through that connection <clears throat> after we'd finished that we had reached back out to Stephanie. Uh, Cause we had thought to ourselves, how cool would it be? if that company actually still existed Mm -hmm. and um, we've always wanted to be small business owners, but never really had like a hard fast plan of what that would be. And uh, after we finished the mural, we thought, you know, let's just see what she thinks. So we asked Stephanie, um, what if we open up gay fad? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, And she said, I love the idea. She gave us her blessing and just asked for really one or two things. And one was tell my mom's story. And make sure that whatever you're doing is something positive for Lancaster. 
Wow. Yeah. So Stephanie is the you said the daughter, and she lives here in Lancaster. No, or nearby. Um, she lives out in California. Oh, okay, not nearby at all. No, not 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 at all. <laughs> and actually, um, when the company had closed, Fran had moved uh, her and Stephanie out to California, and so um, she has a lot of extended family that live out in kind of like Hocking County, out towards Marietta, and still has a lot of really strong ties of this being a place where she grew up. Okay, and. Uh, since the company, you know, lived here for most of its existence and she was born here, uh, she just really thought the company should be doing something, you know, positive for the community. Okay. Yeah. Well, I should pause for a second and say that I am really excited about this because I'm from Lancaster. I yeah. live here. Well, I've lived here 20 years. I'm actually from the Chicagoland area um, okay. originally. So that's why I was actually going to ask you if I was pronouncing the name right because I tend to enunciate my A's oh. <laughs> a lot being from yeah. the Chicagoland area. So as soon as I heard you say it again, I'm like, oh good, I didn't, I pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, so I just wanted to mention to our listeners that I'll probably make references that sound a little bit different because I'm excited because this is actually in the town that I'm living nearby. <laughs> so, and I've never actually done a podcast with anyone Locally yet, so well, I'm so, so yeah, yeah. You, you are the first. So not because I'm ignoring anybody; it just hasn't worked out that way. So, so tell me a little bit more about Fran's story. It is so cool. So for us, we would, and even her daughter would love to see like the movie made. It's it's totally like Hollywood esque. Kind of has that rag to riches, and also just um, Fran was just such an amazing person. So her life. Began. Her family was from um, Pennsylvania. Her father was a coal miner, and they were pretty poor. <clears throat> um, at one point, Fran had moved in with her aunt in Detroit, Michigan, and then the rest of the family soon followed when her dad got a job at uh, Fort Point. And she graduated from high school there, went to art school, and it was around the time that she graduated art school um, that she started her life as an artist. And so she started with $30 of her own money, invested in purchasing um, metal waste paper baskets. She did these beautifully intricate hand-painted designs on them and sold them to department stores. Okay. And in the first week, they sold out and wanted to double their order and then triple their order. I and mean, it was it just because just, just the waste paper baskets were so pretty. Yeah, so beautifully yeah. <laughs> painted by hand. And um, it just really took off. She ended up hiring a couple of friends from art school and ended up painting on other like plastic wares so like a bread container uh bathroom doilies uh you know anything you can think of that could be beautified by hand painting um they were doing that in between 1939 to 19 probably like 44 she had raised enough money to purchase the first plot of land in the history and um in 1945, they started construction on a 46,500 square foot warehouse at 221 Pierce Avenue, which was right across the street from Acre Hocking. Okay. And at that time, Acre Hocking was the largest glassware producer in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she chose Lancaster was also because the producer of those products that she was painting on was here, and she fell in love with the community. She had traveled around Ohio to a couple of different areas and had picked Lancaster specifically because she liked the town and had access to glassware. And what, around what year was this? 1935. 1935. Or, I'm sorry, 45. 1945. 1945. 1945. Okay. So the business opened here in 
They had over hundreds of employees who were hand painting and decorating glassware. They had over 20 uh, regional sales managers across the U.S. She had a showroom on Fifth Avenue in New York, traveled to all the convention shows around the U.S., and sold pretty much on a wholesale basis. And they were making multi-millions of dollars per year in the 1950s. So from very small, humble beginnings, Fran grew that company into a multi-million dollar business and really led the early charge of decorating glassware in the U.S. and also the mid-century movement design. Uh, she's really accredited with contributing so much to those two aspects of glassware. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's saying a lot about Lancaster, too, as far as glass goes, because, I mean, there's, obviously, we refer to ourselves as the glass city. Yeah. There's all kinds of things out there for that. But there are also a lot of other producers of glass in Ohio. People don't realize that that's what Ohio was and probably, I wouldn't say is still known for because a lot of people don't even realize how many of these towns, I mean, because you've got, well, there was Lancaster glass here on top of Anchor Hocking. Plus we have in Cambridge, you have Cambridge glass mm -hmm. and there's one in, um, well, in Cambridge right near there. There's also Mosser glass that came in after Cambridge. And then you mm -hmm. have, I know this because of some of the small town things, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's a whole bunch of one in Zanesville. Um, there's so much, and she picked here. And I just find that fascinating because it really is an important part of the story that mm -hmm. there was another big part of the glassware industry here, but it's not kind of what you see with all the other ones. Now they're doing um, collections and try to find their specific type of glass that they like. And especially like in Cambridge, it just made me think of it. You know, they have like a society that oh, <laughs> tries to find, tries to yeah. find all the specific pieces and everything. And, but this is so unique because it's just one person that started this and has a very, very unique set of, paintings it's not etched it's not from the molds it's not you know so this is a whole different thing yeah you know when you think about glassware in ohio specifically you know from what i've learned you know northwest southeast and several other areas of ohio and west virginia were the mecca of glass production in the united states primarily because abundant natural gas <clears throat> and sand mm -hmm. and those were the basic elements to be able to create glassware and I know Lancaster specifically back in the day would offer free gas to companies to entice them to move to and set up shop in Lancaster. Can you imagine if they did that right now? Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, so you're right, we had glassware, dinnerware. We had um, headlights for for uh, automobile lights. We had um, kind of like chemical tubing and all scientific glass. I mean, there was just such a litany of different companies that existed just in Lancaster over the years. And most people, when they think of us being last town, they think of Inker Hawking. Mm -hmm. It has such a significant legacy and at one time was such a large company. And so many people were employed there. You mm -hmm. know, at the height of their business, they have thousands and thousands of employees that it's hard to not find a local resident who either isn't somehow related to someone who worked there or if they worked there themselves. Yep. It is like tried and true, so much part of the local history in this town. And really, I think what has also made this area really unique, you know, we read that even during the Great Depression, Lancaster did not experience significant financial difficulty because of acre hockey. 
mm-hmm. in their penny glass, and they were still in production and still selling because it was very affordable, utilitarian type glassware that they were producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could just go on and on and on about yeah. <laughs> why we are a, a glass city and a glass town, and um, that is definitely the production side of the glass, but the story that we're trying to highlight is really the decoration part of glassware. Mm-hmm. And that's what Fran is really, um, that's her legacy is decorated glassware. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really started out with hand painting and it took her a couple of years to really figure out how to get that paint to adhere to the glass. And they ended up using um, ceramic paints and she kind of patented this process of refiring and cooling and refiring the glass once it was painted in order to get that to adhere to the glass. And once she got that done, they were off and running. And uh, over the years, they incorporated other methods of decoration, like silk screening or screen printing. Um, they ended up using electroplating to get like gold and silver finishes on items. But the thing that was really unique for them is that they often merged multiple methods on the same design. Okay. And so I have some pieces I can show you in the yeah. back where the outline of a design is silk screened on. And then an artist would come back and hand paint additional color on top of that. And then they would refire that. And not many other companies would do that. You'd usually see like a one color or one process that's used, you know, but those pieces were all so unique and um, just one of kind and just really high end, really well done. Yeah. I want to go back to the process a little bit and how yeah. you identify pieces too. Sure. Yeah. Also, but I I want to stick to Fran for just a second. You have a couple of really cool quotes on mm-hmm. your Facebook page, and one of them is "lifting women up" or "lift women up, empower their voice." Can you kind of tell me is that inspired by Fran? Is oh, this are you gosh. guys all about women entrepreneurs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you know, part of reopening the exact same company six years later is carrying on Fran's legacy. And Fran herself was just a trailblazer. You know, uh, my husband often say she broke the glass ceiling before it was ever a thing. You know, I mean, if you imagine women's right to vote was what, 1920-ish. So not even 19 yeah. years later, she started and owned her own company. Mm-hmm. The business was in her name. The property was in her name. The corporation was in her name. She was the CEO and leader of that company for almost 23, 24 years, despite having been married. Being in a male-dominated business, you know, her daughter often talks about the struggles that she had to even have a place at the table mm-hmm. and how often she was undermined or ignored and really had to make her own place in that world. And she was just phenomenal. I mean, such an inspiring story. Everybody who remembers her just says she was an amazing person, so kind, so loving, but also fierce. Like, we had a, an 85-year-old sales manager from Anchor Hawking who came in recently. And he's like, I remember her. He's like, man, nobody effed with her. He was just like, <laughs> she was the badass lady, you know? And uh, she was always dressed to the nines and just articulate and just was really well known for speaking her mind. And that's a really big part of how she ran her business. She felt that decorated glassware definitely is a form of and she felt that artistic expression was really important for each and every person, that we all have our own voice and that we should use that voice in order to make our impact on the world. And um, Freya used her studio as a means of encouraging her workers to paint how they wanted, to come up with their own designs, to be creative and expressive through art. 
And that is a big part of what we want to carry on is encouraging others to have creative self-expression in their art mm-hmm. and that we will somehow, some way be um, a medium or a, a launching point for that in the community. And especially for young entrepreneurs, women in business, artists, um, that is a big part of what we want to try to carry on this legacy. Well, as a woman yeah. entrepreneur... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love the story. I was yeah. drawn to the story and I, I just, I had to hear you tell the story. I yeah. just think it's amazing. So did she patent or, you know, any of these designs? Did she make collections from them? Did she encourage her employees to do their own? Mm-hmm. Kind of how did it, how did the business part of it run from that? Sure. Um, so over well, the hundreds of artists that worked there, there were several designers primarily who would come up with a whole collection and they would you know draft everything out and draw it on a flat piece of paper and go through iterations and once a a design was approved upon they'd start making a sample and they'd figure out the coloring and the process that they were going to use and once they got a sample process perfected it would be approved and then they would go into production and whether it was someone that was hand painting it silk screening it electroplating it any one of those processes it was all done in a big part of their community this year so at that point, she would have those collections put out into a catalog and they would put a new catalog out every year and it would have multiple different collections in it. And a lot of um, retailers and other business owners could purchase and place orders from a wholesale, wholesale perspective. And that was primarily for business models, selling glass, decorating glass at wholesale business. Okay. And so... That's pretty much how that process worked for them. Now, for Jason and I, we are two people, right? <laughs> we don't have a 40-some-thousand-square-foot warehouse. We have this retail space and, like, our garage. <laughs> and uh, so we're really kind of talking about our approach to this is not only as a retail space instead of a wholesale business, but also that um, we're kind of becoming a decentralized studio. Okay. So we've already had multiple artists in the community come up to us and say, hey, I'd love to work with you, like, I'm really interested in tiki design for glassware. And they're like, yes. We have another uh, jewelry designer who came in and said, hey, I make these silver straws and embellish them for cocktails and drinkware. Would you be interested in something? They're like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we have a local cool. screen printer who's learning how to print on glassware for us. And we're supporting her through that process of learning and testing different inks and trying to perfect that process. So it's kind of like, Every time we can reach out and collaborate with another artist to either sell their products or specifically design something and use our company as a platform to showcase that. That's what we're really hoping to do. I love it. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) So as far as this space goes, then, how did you choose this particular space? And Mm -hmm. again, because I'm from the area, I'm, I'm... interested in how you got into this specific space. It's a great location downtown. Yes. So how did you get it? (laughs) So the the biggest reason why this was our preferred first choice was because our murals in the alleyway are right next door. It's Mm -hmm. on the side of this building that we're inside of. So we thought, what better location to have a Gayfed Studios retail store than on the same building that the Gayfed Studios murals are located on. Mm -hmm. It just couldn't have been any better than that. And so Park Bank um, owns this building, and we went to them and said, hey, you know, would you be willing to lease this space out to us? And we pitched our idea and gave them kind of like our outline of what the interior would look like, and they absolutely loved the idea and thought, you know, what a great 
addition to the downtown. Mm-hmm. So they were completely on board and supported us through this process. And it just, when I tell you the universe and the stars aligned, I kid you not, between getting the space <laughs> and having support of Fran's daughter and all the other support and just everything working out. Um, it was it's supposed what, to be here. Yes, it's what made it all possible. That's awesome. All, all signs said, yes, do it. So Well, and you pretty much created a new storefront to add to the scape, the cityscape here too, because wasn't that not here before it was closed off somehow or it wasn't really being used the way that it is now. So yeah, the um, bank used to have their financial services office in here at one point. It was guardian finance. Right. But that had been closed for several years. A couple of years yeah. and they didn't run it out. Um, and so when we came along, uh, we pretty much redid the entire interior the exterior was all existing facade. We just um, got approval from the city and historical commission to paint it. Okay. And we selected the paint colors based on Park Bank and on provisions so that we would blend. Um, how do I? Yes, be yeah. good neighbors, but also complement the color that yeah. was there. So it, I think it worked out really well on the outside. Um, and then also on the inside, too, we wanted something that felt high end and just really made people feel like they're in a special place. Mm-hmm. So we really were very intentional in our color choices and painting the ceiling dark and having retro light fixtures and having nice flooring and we built out all the cabinetry. And, you know, I mean, we really just tried to pay attention to every single detail. Yeah. Um, and I love when people walk in the door and they're like, wow, this <laughs> yeah. is so cool. Like, I don't feel like I'm in Lancaster anymore. You know? When I hear that, I'm like, we did, we get, we got you it did right. Good. Yeah. You did good. Well, I got to tell you, it's yeah. amazing for me too to just yeah. sit here and listen to you talk like that because yeah. what feels like a lifetime ago, probably 15, somewhere between 12 and 15 years ago, I was on the original Main Street Promotions Committee. I was their Promotions Committee Chair. Okay. And so all of the events and things that are going on downtown now, I had a hand in starting some of them. Obviously, the people that are doing things now are doing an amazing job. But way back when, before things were vibrant like they are now, you would not believe, maybe you would, how many people would fight you on putting, you know, the potted plants down here and who's going to water them and who's going to do this. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, things that are, yes, practical things to talk about. But I mean, the pushback that you would get from trying to beautify the cityscape it really was a challenge to try to get through those kinds of things and now they have the downtown cleanup day and you know all those things that are a big deal but they were a big big deal 15 years ago it was really hard to get through some of this and Mm -hmm. hearing you talk about how you were very thoughtful and intentional about the color scheme and what somebody had already done next to you and stuff like that it just makes it just makes me so excited yeah. <laughs> to hear you talk like that because I just keep thinking of these meetings that I would sit in going, oh my gosh, like, is it so hard to just put a hanging basket out? Is oh, it so yeah. hard to, you know, and, and at that time the answer was yes, it was, yeah. it was hard. Um, and it was hard for people to, I mean, so many buildings have been they invested in and mm-hmm. a lot of people behind the scenes have done so much work to make sure that that would happen. And, you know, so it's just been an awesome transformation and you're coming in at such a great time, you know, to kind of help take that to the next level. And thank you. I mean, just thank you. It's really cool to see people coming in now 
not that you're an outsider, but you know, somebody yeah. to come in and want to invest who hasn't lived here your whole life right. and is going, this is a great place to have my business. Yeah. I mean that 15 years ago, that would have been the dream. Mm -hmm. And I think you are, you're, you're making that dream like a reality for a lot of us that were, you know, trying to help with all of this oh. a long time ago. So anyways, I just had to kind of give my two cents yeah. there because I was getting well, all excited it, listening to you talk. You just made me think <laughs> of so many things. And first and foremost is you're right. Like the downtown environment right now is amazing. You know, huge shout out to Amanda Everett and Destination Downtown Lancaster and um, Visit Fearful County and Jonette and, you know, all the partners that have come together to support us through this process, whether it's through event planning, you know, getting through and getting city permits and, and just like making those things happen. They have offered so much support and knowledge and recommendations and guidance um, that made this possible for us. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. we've never owned a business retail space like this. There's such a learning curve that you go through in that process. And um, we now feel like we're part of the downtown family. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like we have made great friendships. Um, we just are so happy to be here. And it's been wonderful. You know, so if you're thinking about coming to downtown Lancaster, I highly <laughs> encourage that you invest here <laughs> and there are still space. there are still places yeah. to invest and like you said they are being very supportive and yeah. have an awesome team like you said gosh amanda's like a team and of herself yeah. <laughs> you know and everybody knows them, right yeah. she's amazing her and her husband are amazing yeah. and they just have done so many things for this downtown okay everyone i think this is a great place to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back You're invited to experience Tuscarawas County, Ohio. Whether you're enjoying the rolling hills of Amish country, strolling through our historic villages, or exploring our one-of-a-kind museums and attractions, we're sure you'll discover why visitors keep coming back time after time. Conveniently located along I-77 in Northeast Ohio, Tuscarawas County is just a short drive from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, or Columbus. And be sure to check out our all-new Destination Learning Magazine, the perfect guide for virtual and homeschooling families. Visit TravelTusk.com, that's TravelTusc.com to learn more. You decided to move here and you said you're from Northeast Ohio because yep. we were talking earlier and your husband is from? Uh, just outside of Niagara Falls, New York. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, pretty area. And yeah. so, he still wanted to come to Lancaster. Yeah. We, we actually um, met because we both went to school at uh, Kent State University. And that's where we first met each other. And by the time I moved to Columbus uh, for work after I graduated, we started dating a long distance and ended up running together and saving up because we didn't want to get a house. And honestly, the housing market in Lancaster is great. You know, especially for like a first-time home buyer, somebody who has student loan debt, you're trying to find something that's very affordable, having a house poor. Mm -hmm. um, we fell in love with Lancaster because the housing market was great, the community is great, you have every single amenity you could ever imagine is within 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to go to Columbus to go shopping. Yep. Um, and there's a great sense of community here. So, I mean, all of those things to us were really important and uh, kind of well, like I said, I travel all over the country and I still live here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, I gotta tell you though, Ohio in yeah. general, 
it is an awesome place to live if you yeah. like to travel because you can get to so many places in under a day. Absolutely. So it's always been a passion of mine, but as I turned it into a business, it's I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so this is a, a podcast about small towns. Okay. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain just on the small, small town aspects. So you chose to live here in Lancaster. What are some of the things that you, you chose to have your business here? You live here. What are some of the things that you've decided you love about small town life and the follow-up to that is what are some other small towns that you might recommend to some of our listeners besides this one of course yeah yeah um so starting out with what we like about Lancaster is it is really has that strong sense of community you know people really are friendly they're supportive they're helpful you know we love to tell the story about when we first moved into our house our first neighbors to welcome us where a late uh, 80 some year old couple across the street, Anna Bob, who still lived there and have lived there since 1957, <laughs> um, <clears throat> got all dressed up and baked a loaf of bread and walked across the street. And they formally welcomed us to the neighborhood. Aww. And the first question they had was, so how long have you been a couple? And as a gay couple in a rural area, I had no idea how we were going to be received. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't, oh, is that your roommate? Is that your friend? Is that your brother? Yeah. It was like, no, we recognize that you actually are a yeah. couple. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell us about you, you know? And it was just like, that set the tone. And ever since then, it's just been wonderful. Um, it's very, the thing that we liked about being in a smaller town versus Columbus is it's easy to get involved. Mm-hmm. There's a huge sense of um, investment into the community by people from the community. So whether it's trying to, Build the downtown, trying to create uh, groups and fundraisers to support the parks. I mean, people are really involved here, mm-hmm. and they're excited to welcome more people on board to continue to improve the city. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that those things are just not what we experience in many other places. <clears throat> um, sometimes people will treat you like an outsider and like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But not here, you know. I mean, it's really just been awesome. Um, other small towns that we enjoy. Oh my goodness, there's so many. <laughs> there are so many. You can just name some off. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know if I would consider Marietta. A oh small no. Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we really love going down by the river and shopping in that whole area. Um, I think it's just such a unique experience being down on the riverfront versus, you know, inland mm-hmm. up here where you don't really kind of see that. Um, well, and they've been on the same trajectory for the past 15 years or so as Lancaster. They've okay. invested so much in their downtown. Yeah. So they've got a lot of new things. If people from Ohio are listening and going, I haven't been there in a while, you should really go and check it out because they've put a lot of investment, a lot of time into their downtown too. Yeah. So, I mean, unique places like Yellow Spring is mm-hmm. awesome. If you want like a weekend getaway or just even a day trip. Going out to Springfield, we love going to antique shopping. So going out to the yeah. antique malls that are out there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that could be a little dangerous. Um. <laughs> so as well as selling all the glassware, you're an antiquer. I was going to ask you earlier, but we got taken somewhere else. Can you find these pieces? Can you find Fran's pieces mm-hmm. if you go antiquing? And what, what would you look for? To- yeah, so... Um, just to kind of give you perspective on what's out there. So from 1939 to 1962, they had over a thousand different designs that they produced, like a prolific studio. 
And it's not anything from bowls and plates and platters and cups and rocks and highballs and shakers and mixers and pitchers and vases and lamps. I mean, it's on a litany of items. Um, to truly know it's a gay fad item, some of them are signed, whether it's with a GF or a gay fad. Okay. Um, other times there are like unique designs that are known to be gay fad that you can see. Uh, it can oftentimes be really hard to definitively know if something is. And we actually have a lot of people that message us and send us pictures and emails and say, hey, is this gay fad? And we actually are very grateful to have access to two books that were written by um, a lady named Donna McGrady and Kenny Hansen. Uh, Donna was at one point probably the largest collector of gay fed, like private collector. She had over 6,000 pieces of glass. Wow. At one point, she did live here in Lancaster. And about 10 years ago, she had worked with the Glass um, Museum across the street, Ohio Glass Museum, to have an event where they had Stephanie come out from California and they paid tribute to Fran and they had a collection of her wares in the Glass Museum. And so she spent her life collecting the items, but also cataloging them. And her and her best friend wrote the only two books that exist on Frank Taylor and Gay Fat. And they actually cataloged the exact items. You have the name, you have a picture of it, you have the date it was made, any description that they pulled out of a catalog. Um, I'll show you those in a minute, but that's our go-to of like, how do you know for sure? Um, and we would actually, if anybody's listening and you want to help us make a, a like an identifying guide for gay fed, we really want to create something like that because awesome. there are so many variations. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you'll find uh, an insignia or a stamp on the bottom of the glass, whether it's the AH or Anchor Hawking or an actual anchor, uh, but they got produced on Hazel Atlas, Fire King, and a couple other glassware producers besides uh, Anchor Hawking. So there's so much variety. There. Yeah, so it's you really, really yeah, so you really got to look and <laughs> kind of do some research. Um, if somebody's interested in buying it, there's definitely a lot of sellers that are online. It is still really collectible, especially the mid-century designs. We actually went to an auction where Donna sold off a couple thousand pieces of her collection this past April. We purchased a lot there. We also purchased um, from a local collector. So we we ourselves in the store have a couple hundred pieces of original glass that we are selling. Oh, you're selling yeah. them. Okay. So, like, behind you there, you have the Modern Flower, and over okay. here, behind me, is the Red and Gold set. The Time and Tide, true, you know, 1958, 1959. Um, definitely that mid-century, you know, you have a lot of shapes and patterns and bright colors. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I'll give you a tour of the back office. Awesome. Yeah. So, if somebody wants to buy some of her pieces, mm -hmm. you can get them here. Yep. And also, you're kind of continuing on her tradition of how she did this, but you've got new artists that are coming in and yeah. doing things. And you can buy, I mean, I was looking at some of these beautiful pieces. I mean, they're affordable. Yes. <laughs> they're very affordable. I mean, the, some of the things that I looked at were between 12 and 15, they're, well, 12 to 20 bucks on some of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't something that's like, oh, it's glassware. It's going to be really expensive. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful glassware that you can afford. Yeah. You know, Fran's piece with um, decorating glassware is that it, it is an accessible way um, to enjoy art in the everyday. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to continue on to make sure that it truly was financially accessible for anybody that wanted to come in. So not only did we keep the prices low, we're selling almost every single item as a one-off piece. Okay. So you do not have to have a full set. You can get three, seven, nine, twelve, however many quantities of each item. 
So if you're like, I really like that glass, but I can only afford one or two, you can only get, you can get one or two, you know? So that was a really intentional decision on our part. And you're right. A lot of people do come in and they're like, wow, this is priced great. Like it's really affordable. Like I think they're surprised Mm -hmm. that they expected it to be a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's definitely something that we value and want to make it accessible. And I think you're going to do well because of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think great. that's a good business yeah. decision. Which yeah. I wanted to know. So we have a <laughs> lot of listeners that are aspiring entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs themselves, and mm-hmm. you know, are very interested in the business side, especially if sure. they're downtown people. They want to know how you're doing and things like that. So, do you have any advice for somebody who is looking to start a downtown business or is going? You know, I'd really love to be a part of that atmosphere at some point. And especially since you're new, you said you're just going through all of this. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice that you would give for somebody getting started? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's really important to know really what, what adds value and what you're offering. And for us, we knew that this would likely be a very successful business because we are in a glass town. It hits an emotional note with the people that live here. Like they're so, connected to that identity as being class town and the thought of bringing something like that back to the present day just there were so many things that hits whether it's about telling trans story bringing glassware back to the present day supporting women in business i mean there's so many things that we knew we could focus on that would resonate with people um so really know what it is that you're doing and who your audience is and make sure that that's what there's an interest in and a need for i think to start out with and then after that Reach out to other business owners. I mean, we made a lot of friends here who own businesses and offered up their advice to us mm-hmm. and get connected with places like Destination Downtown and just start learning. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the best place to go because then the more you know, the smarter decisions that you can make, whether it's financially or how you're going to start. Like for us, we knew we needed to start small and start very conservatively so that we could grow with the business mm-hmm. instead of throwing in way too much up front and risking any kind of um, closure of the business because <clears throat> not only is it our business now, but it's the legacy that is associated with Fred Taylor and Gay Fad and we are known to be responsible with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, our situation is a little bit different with what we're doing, but it's possible. That's what I want people to know. Yeah. It is very possible. I quit my career at nine years at the state and uh, made this leap of faith, and it's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, our sales have been great. The opportunities are just endless. We've had lots of businesses come up and want to partnership with us. We're going to do a whole new series of fundraising events. Awesome. GayFad is, is kind of like hosting cocktail parties and other events throughout town to, you know, benefit many other organizations so you can really be creative with what you're trying to do love it well thank you very much for sharing all this with us today and i know that you've given us wonderful information not just to visit lancaster but obviously to visit you and how to find this glassware and so thank you very much it's been awesome can you tell us where we can find you on the web and all of that if somebody wants to get on and and google you right away yep you can search gayfed studios on instagram and facebook uh, we are working on building out and um, opening up our website. We're not quite there yet. Probably within the next month, we'll have that open. And we definitely are going <clears> to <throat> put way more history on the page, on Fran, on the business. We're going to try to have some of those tips and trick guides of how to identify gay fat glassware. 
And then we'll actually have our some of our items uh, for retail sale that'll be through the website as well. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody go on and go buy some glassware because this guy's awesome and you need to have some in your home. <laughs> or come visit us. <laughs> or come yes. visit. That's right. Yeah. If you're in Lancaster is very centrally located. So it's 30 miles south of Columbus. So yep. if you are in the Ohio area, you definitely just need to come and visit because it's right in the middle of everything. And it's very close to the Hocking Hills area. So we actually have a lot of folks that will go stay in the Hocking Hills cabins. And then if it's a rainy day and they're trying to find something to do, a lot yeah. of folks come up to Lancaster. Yep. We have great restaurants and shopping, and we actually have a lot of foot traffic of people just, oh, wasn't sure it was up there. We just started walking around and came across your store. And we're like, I can't <laughs> believe this is here. <laughs> That's awesome. And what days yeah. are you open? So we are closed on Mondays. Okay. Um, Tuesday through Thursday, we're open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, Friday and Saturday, we're open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Awesome. Well, yeah. I love those later hours, too. I know yes. people, people coming on yeah. the weekends will love that. <laughs> well, and we wanted to try to really capture the dinner crowds because a lot of downtowns, you know, 5, 6 o'clock, everything Everything's closes. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, there's still a lot of restaurants and bars open. We have a lot of events throughout the summer, like our Friday night bandstands. Thousands of people come in, you know, and it's a later event in the evening. And I think by staying open later, we get more people options to stop by. And mm -hmm. um, hopefully we'll be able to to see how it goes, you know? Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information on the towns we visit, go to mytowntravels.com. To learn how to be a guest on the show or to sponsor an episode, navigate to our podcast page where you can see more information on guests, listen to more episodes, and submit guest requests. It all starts at MyTownTravels.com.